Hello, Trinity Church. Um, my name is Bo Noonan, and um, I help pastor a church in Tacoma, Washington, and I also help with the Confluence team. And um, I uh, just want to let you guys know that we have often prayed for Trinity Church. We've known Matt and Heather before they were the Sweetmans. <laughs> we knew them when they were single, and uh, we love them, and we love what God's doing in you guys and through you all. And so um, I'm excited to be speaking to you. Obviously, I wish it was in person, and I wish we were doing a better job with the video, but there was some mix-up there, and no big deal. But uh, my title today is Growing in Confidence in Jesus. Growing in Confidence in Jesus. And specifically, what I want to talk about is the ascended Jesus, uh, our confidence in the fact that Jesus died, he rose again, and then he ascended to be with the Father. And I know it's it's easier for us to think like, man, we'd be really confident in Jesus if he was uh, moving amongst us today in the flesh and, and doing the miracles and raising the dead and casting out the demons. Uh, that, that would be easy for us. Uh, but there's, there's something actually really uh, amazing and confident building in the fact that Jesus has ascended that he's actually gone away to be with the Father. You know, we live in a world that's that really promotes self-confidence, uh, promotes uh, pride in ourselves, and a world that when it comes to faith, we're like the opposite of that. We we love the fuzziness of doctrine, not the uh, confidence in our doctrine. We love um, kind of the wishy-washiness of faith, and we celebrate those who are kind of, I don't really know what I believe, but the Bible actually encourages us. And I've got several verses here, and they're, it's not an exhaustive list. It's just a few uh, from the Bible that we should be confident, that we should be confident in Jesus. Second Corinthians 3, 4 says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Ephesians 3, 12 says, in him we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Uh, Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, Hebrews 10.19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Last one, Hebrews 10.35 says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. We want to be those people. I, I, I want to admit there are times when I'm not that confident. But and and I want to just say to you, if you're if you're listening today and you're like, man, I don't feel that confident. Well, first of all, we're super glad that you're in this gathering. But but let's not settle for that. You know, I just want to encourage you to to kind of to to say, hey, I, I don't want to just live here. I don't want to live here. I want to live in confidence in Jesus and especially in the ascended Jesus. And, and so uh, one reason we have so many commands to be confident in Jesus uh, is because it's so easy to take our eyes off of Jesus and try to put them on our own um, competency uh, to try to try to bring our own resume to the table and be like, I'm confident in myself in terms of my standing before God. But early in the church, Paul is correcting the church in Corinth. Um, a church that kind of had been through quite a bit. And, and he says, you've taken your eyes off of Christ and him crucified. You've taken your eyes off of Christ and him crucified. And the result, well, the result is division, quarreling in the church. Um, 
division quarreling about who's really spiritual, you know, like whose resume is better than the other ones. And, and we see like a coveting of spiritual gifts again, because they've taken their eyes off of Jesus. They put it on themselves and wondering like who's great among us with, with spiritual gifts and real spirituality. And, and this is the basic theme of Hebrews as well. In other words, this is a theme through the new Testament and the, the early church. Um, essentially the book of Hebrews is about building these people's confidence back up in Jesus. It was once there. Now let's bring it back to a level of confidence and the emphasis of the, the sole priesthood of Jesus, that he's the one who alone by his death and his resurrection can lead us into the Holy of Holies. In other words, can lead us home to the father where our hearts long to be. And it's the presence of our good fathers where we find joy, where we find uh, peace, where we find purpose. And, and Jesus has gone before us into that place before the Father and has made a way for us to join him there. So before I read to you, I'm going to read from Hebrews 8, 1 through 7. That'll be our, our foundational text for today. Uh, let me remind you that a priest in the Bible is a mediator. Uh, a go-between, um, between humanity and God. That's how we would see earthly priests, uh, a mediator between humanity and God. Uh, and Jesus is a priest, and Hebrews calls him a priest, but he's a mediator between God and humanity, and humanity and God. He's a unique priest in that he comes as 100% human, but also 100% God, and he's come to mediate between God and humanity and humanity and God. And so he's our great priest. So let me read to you Hebrews 8, 1 through 7. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. It's the word of the Lord for us. Jesus Christ is the leader of our worship. What we do in worship personally and corporately together as a church, Jesus is the leader of that worship. Not just the center of our worship, although he is. Not just the object of our worship, although he is. He's the leader of our worship. He, he made the perfect sacrifice. On our behalf. Uh, he said the perfect things to the Father. Never made a mistake. Never 
never uh, blundered through, like, how do I describe the father and, and, and never walked in heresy or error, always said the perfect things about the father. He was completely and absolutely pleasing to the father. He leads our worship uh, and he now represents us to the father. When we enter into worship, we are simply entering into what Jesus is already doing. And what Jesus has done for us. What a great leader that he has gone before us with perfection, with the right sacrifice, with the right words. And he now stands before the Father. And we now come because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, James Torrance, he wrote a book called Worship, Community, and the Triune God of Grace. What a title. He writes this Whatever else our faith is, it is a response to a response already made for us and continually being made for us in Christ, the pioneer of our faith. Jesus is it. He's it. And yet, uh, can I suggest that we too still have a tendency to take our eyes off of Jesus and to put them on ourselves? That we have a false, uh, a false confidence in our own competencies, our own resume, and our own flesh. But there's only one mediator between humanity and God. There's only one offering that is truly acceptable to God. And it's not your pure heart. It's not your hallelujah. It's not your sincerity. It is Jesus. He's the response He's the response to the response. See, uh, sin enters the world, breaks everything, breaks the relationship that humanity has with God, that humanity has with each other, that frankly, that it breaks the relationship we have with ourselves. That's why we feel insecure when we walk into a church meeting or meet a new person, or that's why we experience things like depression. And there's just a brokenness in this world that's brutal. And Jesus is the response to that response. Our response was to sin. His response was to make the perfect sacrifice for us. And so we're, we're, when we worship, when we come to worship today and, 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 and uh, in our, our own time in life, when we just driving to work or walking to work on the train and we just worship Jesus, we're just responding to the response that Jesus made for us. We're not creating a new way of worship. We're not creating a new sacrifice. We're not trying to earn anything. We're just responding to Jesus's perfect response because we're, we're Trinitarian people. We believe in a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, eternally, equally God. And it's not easy to get our head around that, but that's okay because we're just human. He's God, but he's eternally, equally God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But we often act like Unitarians. And a Unitarian is this. A Unitarian is, is someone who believes that there is a God out there and there's humanity and this human-centered belief. There's no priesthood. There's no uh, sacrifice or offering. There's just us and God. And so we're just humans hoping, hoping that God would listen to us. And this comes through not just like in a, a Unitarian faith or a universalist Unitarian faith, but this would be like, like Islam and other religions that believe in a God, uh, but no mediator. 
And Jesus is our, our mediator. That's why we have great confidence in him that he's gone before the Father who's made the sacrifice and continues to make that sacrifice for us. So, so we want to pray, but we feel like a failure. You know, we want to come to worship this morning, but man, we just feel like, man, if, if everybody knew what I was up to this week or even what I said on the way in today or what I was doing last night, I mean, we would be unworthy candidates for the almighty God to receive our worship. But we're not Unitarian. We're Trinitarian. We, we have a mediator, Jesus, our great high priest. Um, and, and Christianity is that we have high confidence in the sacrifice that the Father approves of, Jesus. So uh, the response that we are responding to, Jesus' response, is, is the need for there to be a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb of God uh, without blemish, a perfect son who never offended the father, never denied the father, never disobeyed the father. And then he climbed on the cross, silent before his accusers, and died as the qualified sacrifice for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. And, and so essentially all our faith is just saying amen to Jesus. You know, when, when I came to faith in Jesus, I was 13 years old. It was a, you know, a classic summer camp experience where I, I just had, you know, got away from my normal environment, my usual friends, heard the gospel preached. And it wasn't like I was coming and saying, like, all of this is good and I believe all of this, therefore it's good. It's just, I was just saying, amen. I mean, I didn't know this as a 13 year old. I was just saying, I agree with all this. Like, in my heart, the Holy Spirit had come, giving me the gift of faith in that moment to say, amen. I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior and my delight. And so from now on, uh, perfect Jesus is always before the Father. So when you pray and you sing and you worship and you, you think out aloud about who God is, it's never just you and God. It's you, our mediator, Jesus, who's perfect and acceptable, and the Father. And so we're not left to ourselves. We're not left hoping. I hope he hears my prayer. You know, I hope I find the right words to pray so that it unlocks whatever. No, it's, it's Jesus. He's there. You've never prayed a prayer that didn't go to Jesus first. You've never sung a worship song to the Father that didn't come through Jesus, kind of filtered through his perfection. So we never come empty-handed. You know, we, ne we never show up to church and think, oh, I hope I brought some money and I, I, I don't know if I brought cash and because then my worship would be acceptable. No, we, we never come with, I hope I, I, I can cleanse my heart enough so that I, when I come into worship, God would hear me. No, we come because Jesus is already pleasing to the Father and we sing to him and we sing about him and we enjoy his presence and Jesus is leading us into worship, leading us into the presence of the Father without fear, without fear. I mean, some of you today, might you might feel fearful. Like I'm worshiping. You, you get that sense of something otherly is happening here. And you're like, this is terrifying. But you don't have to be terrified. Jesus has made a way for that holiness of God to be tolerated by us because he forgives us of our sins. We stand before him without our sins counted against us. The Bible says, blessed is the one whose sins are not counted against us. You're blessed because he's washed you from your sins. He's cleansed you from all unrighteousness, the scriptures say. 
So, so at, the, at the center of the New Testament isn't like our religious experience. That's not the point of the New Testament. It's not even our faith and repentance, although, again, those are good things. At the center of the New Testament is this unique relationship between Jesus, the Son, and the Father, the Holy Father. And then as the, as the Old Testament kind of unfolds into the book of Acts, comes the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son give us the Holy Spirit. So what Adam failed to do, Jesus accomplished. Uh, what humanity had failed to do, what Israel had failed to do, Jesus accomplished. As he goes to the Father, he now gives us the Holy Spirit. Here's what heaven thinks about Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, it says, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. The words of the Amen. Jesus is the Amen of heaven. Amen means with certainty. He's it. It means the truth or let it be. He's it with certainty. He's the truth. Let it be. And Jesus is the certainty of heaven. But your confidence is in this, that every time you pray, cry, mourn, celebrate, God the Father hears you through Jesus. And now, as those who have received the Holy Spirit, as those who have lived on this side of the cross, that the Father has received the Son and the Father and the Son send us his Holy Spirit, that we can receive the Holy Spirit. That again, we're not left to ourselves trying to figure out how to do life, but he teaches us to pray. He teaches us to say no to sin. He teaches us to walk in righteousness. He equips us and empowers us to live this Christian life. Again, James Torrance in his book writes, it is he who leads our worship, bears our sorrows on his heart and intercedes for us, presenting us to the Father in himself as God's dear children and uniting us with himself in his life in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit now uniting us with the Father and the Son in his life. The invitation is to participate with Jesus. Um, it's not, you know, sometimes we hear language of like, this is my personal walk with Jesus. Well, it's not exactly right. Um, people often talk about our personal relationship with Jesus. And I understand that, right? It's my, my response to Jesus and, and, and his love for me. So we, we have a relationship. But, but we also need the church. You know, we're a community of people. And we also need the Holy Spirit to participate in what Jesus is doing. And, and the good news is this, is that this is not based on how worthy you are or, uh, on your own. Uh, or what kind of offering you can bring. See, when Jesus ascended to be with the Father, Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit on those, listen, who have trusted this sacrifice, who have trusted that Jesus is sufficient. He's enough. John 14, 18, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And again, some of you might think like, well, how? Like, I don't have any confidence in myself that I'm worthy to receive the Holy Spirit or to that he would speak to me or that, you know, he would empower me to do the great things for him and his kingdom. Again, we take our eyes off of our own competency and we put our eyes on Jesus, that he's not going to leave us and that he's made a way for us to be pure through his sacrifice. 
He's gone through the veil. He's gone through the veil that used to separate humanity and God. He went through there and we follow him. He leads our worship. We go with him into that. He leads us. He's our great high priest. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This this is our current status, folks. Like this is your reality. We enter into the way God sees the world. We part of becoming a Christian is starting to believe what Jesus believes about the Father. You know, we don't just believe in Jesus. We now receive the beliefs Jesus has about the Father, humanity, the world, the lost. And, and so we we now take on this belief and the belief that that Jesus has is that we are seated with him in heavenly places where Jesus is seated with the Father. That's good news. We should have great confidence in Jesus that he has gone before us, leading us into this place, leading us home to the Father. So when we come to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive, we're not coming on our own. We come because of Jesus. When our eyes are on Jesus, we look to Jesus, not ourselves, not on the person praying for us, like who, you know, who's the good prayer person in the church? Who's got the hot hand? That's not what we're doing. We're coming with our eyes on Jesus. And sure, people will come around around you sometimes, lay hands on you, pray for you. All that's really great, biblical. But our eyes are on Jesus. Our confidence to receive is in Jesus's perfection, not in our perfection. Our confidence is in him. We find that Jesus is very com uh, compassionate toward us. After all, he was tempted in every way and yet without sin. That He's not just empathetic. He's not just saying, ah, sorry, it's so rough for you. No, he's sympathetic. He's been there. He's experienced temptation, rejection, uh, denial. He's, he's experienced the brokenness of this world. He's tasted it. He's smelt it. And yet without sin. So he's not just empathetic. I wish it was better for you. No, he's sympathetic. I know what you're going through. And I've overcome. I've come through. And I've overcome. And he's saying, come with me. Come with me. I've overcome. Come with me. Again, one last quote from James Torrance. Sorry, I really enjoyed his book. We can only pray in the name of Jesus because Christ has already, in our name, offered up our desires to God and continues to offer them. In our name, he lived a life agreeable to the will of God. In our name, vicariously confessed our sins and submitted to the verdict of guilty for us. And in our name, gave thanks to God. We pray in the name of Jesus because of what Christ has done and is doing in our name on our behalf. So listen, be confident in his care for you. Be confident in the ascended Jesus. When our prayers don't make sense and when the tears are flowing and our hearts just feel broken, we can be assured that they will come to the ear of God sounding like this. Abba, Father, because Jesus has given us this gift to be adopted as his sons and daughters and to receive the gift of the spirit of adoption so that we can know 
we're not just tolerated by God. We're not just like, you know, junior varsity Christians. We're, we're not just those who are like, I guess maybe I'll make it in. No, we're, we're sons and daughters. He's done it for us. We take our eyes off of ourselves and we put them on him. And so Trinity Church, as you move forward and, and, and as you guys continue to unite around caring for each other and being on mission together, I just, I just pray our prayer for you guys as we join together as a family of churches is that you would have a great confidence in Jesus and especially in the ascended Jesus. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that right now you are seated at the right hand of the Father. And right now we are with you in that heavenly place. We are considered your sons and your daughters that you have showed us mercy and grace and kindness. And Lord, now, as, as yours on the earth here, Lord, we just pray for the empowering presence of your Holy Spirit to flood our hearts, that we would receive the inheritance that we have in you, that we wouldn't be orphaned, that we wouldn't wander the earth as orphans, but we would know the deep love and care you have for us, the empowerment, to do what you've called us to do. So we just receive your Holy Spirit. We receive this confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you all.